0: Uh, because we don't get to call God friend. He's, he's speaking heresy now. I see some of your faces. If I said to you, Queen Elizabeth is my friend, you would say, yeah, right. It would be by her invitation. I have no access to her, Right. It's like me saying, I am God's friend. No, no, God says, you're my friend. The reciprocal relation comes back. And, and so, just, just a, little, a little point there. Isn't that not, is Isn't that not an incredible statement? God Almighty, the creator of the universe, the one who directs all of history, has said, Kevin is my friend. What a, what, a, what a great blessing that is. Well, last week, uh, if, if you weren't with us, and I, and I see a lot of family members, just again, a very special welcome to you. We're so honored that you're here and that you're, you, you've taken time to come and support family. Um, last week, we, we've been talking about David in the Bible, the greatest king in the Old Testament, and last week, we were talking about the danger of success, and to some of us, that may not make sense. Danger of success. I think danger of failure. Yes, Deva- danger of calamity. But danger of success, and we began to look at what that meant. And and here is David, who starts his his life um, going from being the kid brother of uh, of a nondescript family in a little town uh, of Bethlehem, and, and to be as a teenager catapulted to the uh, center stage of life where where here he is um, now the the giant slayer, here he is the great uh, the great warrior who saves the nation and becomes one of the most recognizable faces in the nation. He has every everything he done is, it does is successful and, and and that may sound good to you. But that's not going to help a teenager grow into the role of being king. And so God chose to use instead, a, uh, in the middle of this dazzling success, he's going to take the king, who's going to be jealous of him, who's going to hate him, who's going to be angry about him, who's going to want to kill him, and God is going to take and mold the life of David, and prepare him for the kingship and it 's going to take years of trouble and agony and running for his life and being a fugitive and uh, and David must have been confused because he 'd gone through a private anointing the the uh, the priest and the and the judge Samuel came to his house and went through all the kids of jesse and and none of them. Uh, were a- acknowledged as this would be the future king, and he said, Do you have any other king well uh, any other kids well well we've got we 've got the kid brother who 's out in the field taking care of the flocks and and the herds well we 're not going to eat until you bring him in, so they bring him in, and God says that 's the one, but he he would be he 'd get in trouble if he just knew nothing but success in his life, and so God puts him through something of of a A terrible, terrible time for years. Because God was preparing him for a a role of leadership that he otherwise wouldn't be prepared for. God was molding him and making him and forming him and perfecting him for a high and holy calling. And it wouldn't be good for a teenager to have nothing but success. He could go off the rails so easily. And uh, for us... When we watch David's life, David learns to trust God in those situations. David learns um, that, that God's promises are true, that God will fulfill His uh, plan for David's life. That he couldn't achieve this with a life of ease. God was preparing for uh, preparing him for this, and God prepares us for the, for uh, future service. Uh, he prepares us. For shaping our character. And most often he does that by bringing difficulty and struggle and trials into our life. And God used that to help mold and make him. And to learn to trust God in that was going to be important for him. Because he's going to have other challenges that will exceed that. Well, I want to say to you also. That there is another resource that God gives to us. Another resource that helps us. And that resource is God helps us through friendships. God helps us through friendships. God gives us people in our life, sovereignly provided, to journey with us in life that will help us through that. Now, we've dedicated two, uh, two babies uh, this day. And when, when I look and I see at the support that those children have, it's incredible because You've got a mom and a dad and a brother and a sister. You've got grandparents and aunts and uncles. You've got Sunday school teachers and youth workers and all kinds of people that at some point in your life are going to journey with you. And God provides relationships as a means of helping us Through that. I just want to set a kind of a stage for this um, and and help us understand this concept. First, I want you to know that God is a relational God. He is a relational God. God is a triune God. I say, well, what what does that mean? Um, We worship one God, one God who uh, exists eternally in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and everything God does, He does as a tri- as a Trinity, as a triune God. Here's the here's the interesting thing uh, for us is that that God has a relationship amongst Himself with the members of the Trinity, and everything He does, He does by virtue of. Uh, being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example. The very first uh, verse in the Bible is, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." So God created. But in the second verse, we're told that that the sp- excuse me <clears throat> that the spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. So now, God. Being God the Father is credited with creation, and God the Holy Spirit is involved in creation. And we come into the New Testament in in John chapter 1, and in uh, Colossians chapter 1, and Hebrews chapter 1, we find out that Jesus was an active agent in creation too. And so we may not think of it that everything God does, He does as a triune God. Our worship is to God the Father and God the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything we do, uh, our salvation, is God the Father planned it. The Son came to, to dwell on earth and to provide uh, forgiveness through His act of sacrifice on the cross. And the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and understanding to make, it, to make it, uh, us aware and to draw us to Himself. And so God is a relational God. Um, Jesus would say in John 10 that the Father is in me and I'm in the Father. And they have this incredible relationship uh, with the Holy Spirit as well. In John chapter 16, he says this, The Spirit brings glory to the Son and all that belongs to the Father is mine. And the Holy Spirit will take from me and make it known to you. And so we see that there's this beautiful dance uh, among the Godhead. This relationship of love and harmony and mutuality and, 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 uh, and they function together. Well, guess what? We were created in the image and the likeness of God who is our model relationally. It says this in Genesis 1. God said, Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God, the triune God, created us and formed and fashioned us In the likeness of himself, we were created in the image of God. It's interesting what it says in John 22. Jesus said this, I've given them, his followers that is, the glory that Father you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. God is a triune God who works among himself. And he said, I've given them something from us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit so that they may be one as we are one. Isn't that incredible? God is is a relational God. Um, Not only that, we are created to be in relationship with God. He calls me friend. He wants to be in a relationship with me. He wants me to know him. Here's what it says in John chapter 17, verse 3. Now, this is eternal life, that they... Uh, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. God's desire is that we would know him, and we would know his son, Jesus Christ. You say, well, yeah, we, we can know, we, I guess we read in the Bible and find out something. But but the term know is much deeper and richer than that. The term know is to be in relationship, to have intimate uh, knowledge and intimate interaction with with some. And, and so when, when it comes to that, uh, God wants us to know him. God wants us to be in relationship with him because the relationship that we have with him has been broken because of our sin and our rebellion against him. That relationship was fractured and he made a way to reconcile us so that we could have a relationship with him. Uh, and, uh, and so in that, In John 14, 20, it says this, On that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. We have a relationship with God. We've stated the the mission of our church. Uh, No, one, one more verse here, sorry. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home to them. Isn't that incredible? God wants to make his home in us, with us. Jesus does. And and our mission, the mission of our church, is to lead people to know Jesus Christ. That's what he said. This is eternal life, to know God and his Son. And so we are called to know God and Jesus Christ, and our mission is to lead people to know him, to have a relationship with him, and to follow him passionately. That's what we're all about as a church. That's, that's what drives us. That's what centers us and directs us. Well, we're also created for community. God created us for community, to be in community. Here, here's, here's one of the most fascinating uh, concepts in the Bible. God has just, um, he has uh, created everything. And he looks at his creation and he says, it's very good. He punctuates the days of creation and says that God saw, uh, God created and he saw and he said it was good, 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 good. And, and he said it was very good. But there was one time that he said it wasn't good. Now in creation, here's what God did. He, he created, he created um, man. And then, and then he had man do some things through the day and the man came to the conclusion, there's nobody here for me. There's nobody that fits me. There's nobody that I can connect with. And so God says, it's not good. He created something that he said was not good. It wasn't good for the man to be alone. So he said he would make a helper suitable for him. Now, to me, this is fascinating because here is, here is Adam. He's in a perfect environment. He's with God. He's. Well, what do you want? A perfect environment and God, perfect relationship with the creation. What more do you want? There's nothing more. Except God says, "Mm mm-mm, that's not good. Because I created humankind to need relationship, to crave and to desire relationship. (laughs) And so God says, you know what? You weren't meant to be a hermit. You weren't meant to be secluded. You needed to be in community. I've created and made you to be in community. So God deems human relationships important and integral to our well-being. Well, how does David make it through these circumstances? Well, he's, he's got to learn to trust God, which is he's, he's doing, and not to, to seek revenge and all that, but let God in his time bring him to the place he wants. But there's something uh, else that he's going to give David. God blesses David with a true friend. He gave him a friend. He said, I'm going to give someone that is going to help you through this journey. Of life. On, the hails, on the heels of David's great victory over Goliath and the, and the Philistines, these two guys meet. And here's what it sounds like. After David had finished talking with Saul, that Goliath has just been uh, killed, Jonathan became one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his home, uh, to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as uh, himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Here at the beginning of their relationship... Now he meets David, this kid that was called from doing from caring for the sheep. This kid who goes out with nothing but a slingshot against a nine and a half foot uh, giant who is is decked from head to toe in uh, in armor. And uh, after this, the king's son meets David, and it was just like this instant bond between the two of them. Uh, and and David is. Uh, distraught at times. He's needing encouragement. He's needing practical help. He's needing someone in his corner. He's needing somebody to walk with him. And and he needs a friend. And we're introduced to the friend that God gives him, but Jonathan, the son of the king. Well, what does a a, a friend look like? And I'm just going to pull a few things out of the text. It's not exhaustive, but here are some things about being a friend or qualities of true friendship. The first one is uh, chemistry. Chemistry. Uh, there, there are many wonderful people out there, and, and with all this vast group of individuals we have, we find that we gravitate to some more than others. So, some people we just, we just click with in a different way. And, and when David and, and Saul got together, uh, David finished talking with Saul, and they became one in spirit. There was something in them that just connected. It didn't mean that other people weren't good people, or, but, but some people you just click with, some people you connect with. And uh, they just hit it off. They were one in spirit, and, they, and it said that Jonathan loved David. They thought alike. They had uh, kind of almost an instantaneous deep connection with each other they had this feeling like i really like that guy i like being with that guy boy he 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 really he really helps me he really encourages me and and another thing that they had that, that was uh, this emotional attachment and and they just felt this kinship this kinship that went deeper they had a, a similar vision that deepened their relationship politically they were committed to the same goals they were on the same page together And there were many wonderful people, but we don't share the same kind of chemistry with everyone. And so we gravitate to some over others. And David and Jonathan found each other, and God gave him a gift that's going to walk with him through some difficult times. Well, another thing is the quality of true friendship involves commitment, commitment, uh, relationships come and go sometimes for a season, right? Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, Gerda had a, a in, in Bible college. She had a, a roommate, and uh, we we for a while kind of connected with them on a regular basis. We got married like within a year apart. We had kids, and 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 we just we didn't for the last probably fifteen to twenty years. We just have been out of touch. You have some relationships that are constant, and some that aren't. Um, but, but this is a, a commitment of loyalty. Uh, it's, it's like giving a promise ring. Here's what, here's what uh, David said. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pledge my loyalty, my friendship to you. This isn't going to be something that, that we have a friendship, and it's over this is This is like getting a promise ring. This is like you know and some of you who are younger this this will probably gross you out and i 've never done this, and i don 't recommend doing it. but you remember they talked about having a blood brother or a blood sister you know ooh, so what you would do is you i, I and i i 've never done it, but you 're supposed to prick your finger, and the other person pricks their finger and you put those two. And, and your blood runs together, and that's like, we're making a covenant. Well, that's what happened here. They made a covenant, uh, and and a friend that you're going to have that's going to stick with you. And that's going to be a friend who's going to going to tell you the truth, too. He's going to tell you when your breath stinks. He's going to tell you when, you know, you really don't sing, please. Don't sing. Don't try out for the... Music team, it's not going to work. Uh, and I, I've had those kind of relationships where somebody can be just flat out honest. You don't, you won't take that from some people, but some who have a commitment to you, you'll be willing to take that, that commitment, uh, that support, that loyalty. And he has that. Last week, sitting with us uh, over here, uh, was a friend of mine um, in in my first church. I read a book by John Maxwell, the leadership guru and pastor turned leadership guru. And he had a book called The, The Pastor's Prayer Partner. And I said to him, hey, Ward, you want to read this book? You know, and he read it and he said to me, I'm really serious about this. I would like to be your prayer partner. Well, who's going to turn that down, right? And so he pledged to pray for me every day. He came into the office every Wednesday afternoon, and we would pray together, but he would pray for me every day. Over 20 years, that man has prayed for me every single day, New Year's Day, Christmas Day, doesn't matter, Uh, in, you know, uh, feeling well, feeling not well, prayed for me. God gave me a blessing in that. Well, there's something about a friend that, that can be that kind of person that we really need. Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. I am committed to you. I'm in this for the long haul. And uh, let me just skip ahead here. Another thing that that we see in this is a friend is somebody who can be an advocate for you. Advocacy. Sometimes we need somebody to, to stick up for us, to defend us, to tell the truth, to plead our case. I remember at one point somebody had said something uh, that was uh, false about me, made it kind of an accusation, and it was false. And uh, it was wasn't the kind of thing that I felt I could defend myself. But people who knew me and understood me came to my defense and advocated on behalf of me. You ever been falsely accused? You ever you ever need somebody who say you know that he wouldn't do that. That is, he, he did not do that. Somebody who will stand with you. Somebody when when uh, things are going tough. Well, David had that. And uh, here's what it looked like. Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. Okay, this is your best friend, your, buzz, your bosom buddy. This, and, and he's telling any, anybody, kill this guy. But Don, Jonathan had taken a liking to David and warned him, my father is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I'll go out and stand in my, with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you, and I'll tell you what I find out. Jonathan spoke well of David uh, to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He's not wronged you, and what has he done? He's benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it, and you were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David, killing him for no reason? And Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul, and David was with Saul as before. Sadly, Saul didn't keep his word on that. But somebody who would stand up, somebody who would say, look at, David's not that kind of person. Well, the last thing, that, just to look at, the quality of friendship is self-sacrifice. It's one thing uh, to, to, uh, to love a person as yourself. I mean, that's what he said. He said he loved David as himself. He was committed to him in this association with David. Uh, but he, right off the bat, he shows a deference for David. Look what he look what he's, he does. Jonathan uh, takes off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt. What he did was strip down and give everything to David. What was he doing? He was the crown prince. He was the next king of Israel. And and, and uh, Jonathan says, you're going to be king and I will defer to you and I will give you uh, the the vestiges of what would be for me my kingship and you take that and you and because I'm committed to you it was like transferring his rights and his privileges and Jonathan was willing to give up his throne for David it's interesting what he says He says, uh, Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan and said to him, You son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and the shame of your mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him here, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled a spear at him to kill him, his own son, because he was sticking up for David. And then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill him. David, He's willing to take a spear through him. He's willing to die for David. He's willing to be that kind of person. And he defers to him. Don't be afraid, he says, my father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You'll be king over Israel, and I'll be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horush. David says, you know what, you're going to be king, and I support that. I will stand with you in that. And so here we are. Um, and and here's, uh, here is, to my mind, the best Statement of what Christian friendship is to be about. Ultimately, Christian friendship is friendship to help others find strength in God. Uh, David and Saul meet up. Jonathan went to David at Horish, and what he did was help him find strength in God. You ever need somebody to help you find strength in God? You need somebody to come alongside you and help you when, when you don't know whether you can hang in with this Christian faith. You don't know whether you can go through what you, any more than what you're going through and it seems unbearable to you. And God puts somebody in your place who comes along and, and who helps you find strength in God. I heard Gerda talking to somebody on the phone the other day and, and she said... Just You need to be strong in the Lord, and, and God will help you, and we'll pray for you. And, and, and I thought, there's what a friend does. Help somebody find strength in God. And, uh, and that's, that's what we're called to do, because God uses people to help us in life and in faith. It's always been a part of his plan. We're relational. We need each other. And we're not supposed to walk this journey alone. But we're, we're, given, uh, we're given help. And, and it, in fact, when you think of the second great commandment, you remember the first commandment, love God with the totality of your being. But the second command is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. We need people. We need a neighbor. We need a friend. We need somebody who will come alongside us and be that. And we need to think of ourselves not singularly, but uh, in in a very uh, in a very community oriented way. Uh, you know, there's something, and, and I know we use this phrase, and I just heard it this morning. Accept Jesus as your personal Savior. It, it's like. No, you accept Jesus and become a part of a community. It's not a solitary thing. Yes, there's a faith transaction. But you step into a community of brothers and sisters who are called to help each other. And in fact, in the New Testament, and I, I've not named them all, but I just wanna, I want you to see how serious the New Testament is about relationships. There's a little word in the New Testament that's translated one another, one another, and it happens uh, all through the, the New Testament. But I'm going to burn through these really quickly. Okay, uh, the one another's of the New Testament. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Don't bite and devour and consume one another. Tolerate one another. Love one another. Serve one another. Greet one another, actually with a holy kiss, or a holy handshake works too. Be kind, tender-hearted to one another. Forgive one another. Honor one another. Submit to one another. Bear the burdens of one another. Speak truth to one another. Comfort one another. Encourage and build up one another. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. Teach and admonish one another. Be humble toward one another. And uh, what I want you to see is, you can't do biblical faith unless you're interacting with people, unless you're being helped by people. Hey, some of us are too proud for that, aren't we? Or you're uh, or you're helping someone. That's what God wants of us. Um, Eugene Peterson. I found in a book of his, a quote that just really was powerful. Friendship is a much underestimated aspect of spirituality. It's every bit as significant as prayer and and fasting. Like the sacramental use of water and bread and wine, friendship takes what is common in human experience and turns it into something holy. Isn't that incredible? Friendship is as important as things like prayer and, and other spiritual disciplines where we come alongside and help and encourage each other. And you can't do faith without being involved with others. We need each other. We need, uh, and we're fooling ourselves if we think we can do it alone. Uh, we might have come with a mindset that that when we come to church, we come to church to receive May I say to you, we not only come to church to receive, we come to church to give. We come to serve others. We come to look for somebody who's struggling, who needs encouragement, who needs help, and come alongside them and pray for them. We have people up here at the end of the service who will pray with you if you have a need, if you, if you need somebody to, to come alongside and pray with you. We need this mindset that we come to give. And let me say something, um, about the frequency of attendance at service, see now we 've got we 've got online we 've got all this stuff, and you say, well why, why, why would I go to church? I mean, I can watch the service from my bed on the computer, right You know why you come to church and, 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 and here 's a disturbing uh, statistic for me it 's now considered if you come one and a half times a month to church, so one month you come once a month then one month, you may come twice. Um, that, that is called regular attendance. Uh, but, but what we do is we cheat ourselves and we cheat others because when we come together, something happens that doesn't happen the same way on the computer. And, and what we do is we come and we look out for one another. And we know that somebody's struggling. And we say, hey, why don't we go to lunch? Or, hey, we'll be praying for you. Or, can I help you with something? Can I, can I? That's what it means Uh, And and God used that in David's life through very difficult circumstances to keep him going. That's why we have life groups, so we can connect with one another on a deeper, more intimate way. And and our uh, vision is to touch our world through Jesus one life at a time. To be involved in helping and reaching out to others in their life. How many of you here are here because somebody reached out to help you at a point in your life? I am. I'm that person. I'm that person who, who, who uh, I, was, I was ready to quit. I was training for ministry. I'd gone on a torrid pace, and I was going into my last year. And I, I, had, I, I was burnt out, I was fried, and I was ready to, to throw in the towel. In fact, it scared Gerda so much, she said, you need to talk to the doc. The doc was uh, Dr. Merle and, and uh, Ruth Estabrook's we an older ministry couple, retired. We adopted them to be parents and grandparents. And she said, you need to talk to Doc. Don't do anything till you talk to Doc. And I went and talked to Doc. And he sat down with the wisdom of an old man. He said, oh, Kevin, he says, you're so close to the end. And God will do this. And we'll stand with you. And we'll pray with you. And, and he kept me. God used him in my life to keep me in that way. How many of you would not be followers of Jesus Christ today if you didn't have a friend who, said, who told you how much Jesus loved you and loved them and came alongside and counseled you and encouraged you and helped you. You know, 80 to 90% of people who become followers of Jesus do so because of the influence of a friend or a family member. And when we're struggling and we're, we're not sure where, where things are going, one of the most powerful ways that God works for us is to reach out through people, through a spouse, through parents, or grandparents, a Sunday school teacher, a youth worker, a friend, a teacher. God puts people in our life, and we need to be open to that. Let me ask you this question. I feel really blessed because I have some guys in my life that I can talk pretty frankly and openly and honestly to who are friends, who could call me out. I feel blessed. You know what I feel sad for? People who don't have anybody that they've been able to do that with. Nobody that they can really open up and and be honest and transparent and my prayer is for all of us that God would grant us the humility and the openness to risk that. You say, well, I see I, I opened up to somebody once and they blabbered it out or they didn't hang with me. They, and so I, I just, I'm afraid to re-engage. Let me encourage you. We all need to have people in our life. And, and we need friends. And, and I hope you come here to receive to be a friend and to, and to find a friend also to help you. And, and, and to have God do something wonderful in your life. See, how we're going to make it, most of us, is God's going to put somebody in our pathway who's going to help us, and we will be blessed. And, and I want to encourage you in that way to open your life up to others for help for you and to help others. And God will use that in a powerful way to keep us going In the faith. That's his gift to us. Father, we come to you. In the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for what you did for David through a friend that stuck with him through thick and thin, what you did through uh, the encouragement and the advocacy and the commitment that he had and, and that self sacrifice. Father, may we be that kind of people. Thank you for Jesus Christ. We are a friend of God who becomes for us an advocate, who sacrificially loves us.